This is Rush to Reason. You are going to shut your damn yapper and listen for a change because I got you pegged, sweetheart. You want to take the easy way out because you're scared. And you're scared because if you try and fail, there's only you to blame. Let me break this down for you. Gone Rush. My advice to you is to do what your parents did. Get a job first. You haven't made everybody equal. You've made them the same, and there's a big difference. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Are you crazy? Am I? Or am I so sane that you just blew your mind? It's Rush to Reason with your host, John Rush. Presented by High Five Plumbing, where every call ends with a high five. All right, welcome. Thursday edition, Rush to Reason, Denver's Afternoon Rush, KLZ 560. We've got Dr. Kelly Victory with us today. Steve House as well. Start with you, Dr. Kelly. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, as always. Uh, It's a joy. It's been a couple of weeks since we've chatted and hope things have been well in your world. They're all all good except for the ongoing craziness of the world in general. My uh, gosh! And, and and frankly, uh, this week Colorado's leading the charge of uh, the uh, newsfeed uh, with this idiocy uh, of the you know trying to keep Trump off the ballot. I so, know, I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Crazy, uh, Steve. Welcome. How are you? Welcome back. Good. Still reeling over the idea that Nikki Haley could lose a primary to no to one no at one all. to other. Uh, <laughs> I know. I mean, it just sounds so insane to think about that. I, I'm sure her, her campaign team did not think through the possibility that no. she could actually get less votes than nobody. nobody yeah, else, that, right? that um, well, I mean, honestly, and this is another topic probably for a different time of the day uh, without you guys, but the reality is we know who the candidate's going to be. There's no sense in messing around any further. Go ahead and just get, you know, geared up in that direction and, Let's get unified and get her handled. I agree. That's where we're at. So, all right. So, Steve, we'll start with you. And for everybody listening, Steve House, he's the one that really instigated this meeting that we have on a weekly basis now, with almost weekly basis with Dr. Kelly Victory. Dr. Kelly's got a full synopsis of what she does on our website, her history. You can go right to RushToReason.com. She's got an entire page dedicated there that you can find her on. Steve, given we don't have a page for you yet, and we're kind of still – Working on that, I probably should get some info from you to get that built and done. But what is your background? And, you know, you, you, because you really are an expert in this. You're not a doctor, per se. Uh, well, you're not a doctor, I should say. Let, let me say it that way, to be exact. But you are in that medical world and have a lot of interaction with doctors that, again, you're not a doctor, but you know a lot about what's going on anyways. Yeah, you know, my background is 40 years in healthcare. I mean, I've done everything from, you know, engineering technology to being an executive, you know, clinical processes and pathways. I work in the clinical space a fair amount too. So um, I'm not Kelly Victory, but most doctors aren't even Kelly Victory. So, Very true. Um, I'm just one of, those <laughs> Very people, true. one of those people who've been hanging around her for a long time and learning as I go. Well, you know, it's funny you say that, and, and Dr. Kelly, because of your teaching and what I've even learned, and I don't consider myself to be an expert this any way, shape, or form, but I will tell you guys that and Steve, I think you could appreciate this. I can get around individuals in the medical world and start having conversations. And and again, I'm, I'm not, this is to, to not boast at all. This is simply a, a being thankful to Dr. Kelly for all the things that you've 
taught me, Steve, you as well. I feel like there's a lot of doctors that practice regularly that when it comes to a lot of things that we talk about on a weekly basis, I can hold my own. You know, John, I I would add to that. I would add to that, John, that the one parallel that is so obviously true is that when you're a doctor and when you're an auto mechanic, you have a similar job. True. You are diagnosing problems based on sounds, reactions, True. conditions, history. I mean, there's a lot of similarities. I mean, it's not the same, but it's very close. And again, Dr. Kelly, thank you because because of you, I've, yeah, I've learned a ton. Well, I appreciate all, all the kudos and accolades, but the, the reality is this. The people who have done well throughout this pandemic and the people who will continue to do well in life in general are those people who have a modicum of critical thinking skills. Mm. What has been AWOL during this isn't that, you know, people just all of a sudden became stupid. It's that they, they absolutely threw aside basic common sense what you have what you may lack in formal medical education uh you know both of you have in spades when it comes to critical thinking you know when you say well that doesn't make sense or we've never seen that before or frankly i trust my eyes i trust what i'm seeing we are bombarded now on a daily basis with an just an onslaught of propaganda Hmm. i don't care if it's uh, way beyond, by the way, COVID, every single day you're being told that, you know, women can be men and men can True. have babies and that the economy is booming. Uh, the police are systemically racist. The protests were peaceful. Uh, your car is causing climate change, but Bill Gates' private plane isn't. And on and on and on. All day, every day, yeah. you are just being assaulted with this propaganda. And the only thing that keeps you safe is critical thinking. Good point. Steve, I want to start with a question that you threw to Kelly early this morning. And for all of you listening, we do a lot of communicating even outside of the show, not to decide what to do on the show, but just to keep everybody informed. Again, it's a way that I've learned through all of this and keep up to date on the things that we talk about, really, not just on Thursdays, but every day. So, Steve, you you sent a text message. I'm starting to hear about Active sickness that presents as multi-lobar pneumonia, but tests negative for COVID and the flu and cultured negative for any bug and no cough or shortness of breath, but suddenly changed and they cultured, uh, in this case, her for everything and found no bug at all. And the doc said that he sees cases like this. They come on the verge of septic shock. Does any of that make sense? You responded, but I wanted you to respond to Steve publicly. Yeah, what I said was the idea of what we call culture-negative pneumonia is not uncommon. All that means is that somebody comes in with clinical signs and radiographic x-ray signs of having a pneumonia, but for whatever reason, you can't culture a bug, whether it's a bacterium or a fungus or a virus, when you get them to cough, you know, to to cough sputum up and and put it on a plate. Um, That's not uncommon. Those tend to be viral infections. Bacteria usually are quite easy to culture. So those are usually viral infections, and they're not uncommon. Um, I suspect what we are seeing, and I have not seen incidentally any huge uptick in the incidence personally. That doesn't mean it's not to come, particularly when they keep dangling disease X out right. there. Which we'll know, get to, in, that's in, right. In the, yep. uh, yeah, we'll get to that, exactly. So I'm not saying that we couldn't start seeing a bunch of atypical pneumonias, but a lot of times I think these aren't actually infectious processes at all. For some reason, the, the patient is responding to something that's causing them to flood. To, you know, to dump fluid 
into their lungs, mm. and that fluid appears to be, quote, a pneumonia, but it's actually not being caused by an infectious process. It's more an inflammatory process, mm. and those people can get pretty darn sick pretty quickly. Um, so, you know, as I said, we aren't seeing or I have not seen clinically a big uptick in cases like this recently, but given what's out there and what they keep sort of fear-mongering about, God only knows what they've got, you know, planned for us next. We'll get to Disease X in a moment as well. And I should have said starting out, sorry, if you have a question, text us, 307-200-8222. Steve, I'll let you go ahead and join in on that. Go ahead. Well, the only other question I'd ask, Kelly, is, you know, is it plausible at some point that if there is another pathogen, that the downstream impact of the pathogen, once you're past the basics of what it is, is that you, in fact, may have significant inflammatory response you know, is it even maybe it's a vaccine related thing, but, you know, we know inflammation comes from the vaccine itself mm-hmm. and we continue to see people take the vaccine, let alone, you know, the longer term effects. Um, you know, are we seeing this large inflammatory response for some other reason, but still related to either the pathogen or the vaccine? It, there's, there's no question that that could be it. And furthermore, Steve, you never know what is going to get launched or what exposure you're going to have where it's not the initial exposure that causes, you know, your Ill, your significant illness or demise, but it's the thing that comes afterwards. We saw that, for example, with the Spanish flu. Many, many people died during that epidemic, but the majority didn't die from the Spanish flu, that virus itself. They died of the subsequent bacterial pneumonia that they contracted afterwards. So, I, and again, I think that that's a lot of what we saw during COVID. People who were classified as having died of COVID, in fact, died of bacterial pneumonia. But it was because the hospitals and the doctors absolutely refused to look for anything else other than COVID. They refused to treat for anything. All of these patients went without antibiotics. They, very, they could have been cured very, very easily had they received antibiotics while they were in the hospital, but they didn't. They instead got put on ventilators and, and got, you know, if anything, remdesivir or some other uh, brand new medicine that was launched for COVID, but they died instead of something that was easily treatable. And so we just don't know. And, and as I said, they, we, we know that these pathogens that have been out recently, certainly COVID-19, was a lab created pathogen. Hopefully everybody has gotten their arms around that now. It came out of a lab. It was the direct result of gain of function research that was being conducted uh, in conjunction with the Chinese, but using U.S. taxpayer dollars. And when you start doing that kind of manipulation within a lab, you can create, and and that's purposely what they were creating, a very, very virulent, very uh, severe disease-producing pathogen, and that's scary business. Before we go to our... No, go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. um, one of the one of the things I learned about this particular case, and it was one of several that the doctors relaying to me, was that they actually gave this person, this woman, an antibiotic, and in three days she was better. Where there was yeah. no indication in those kinds of situations, antibiotics aren't indicated because you can't culture a bug, but you give it to them anyway, and then all of a sudden they're better. That may well may very well have been the same situation with many of the COVID cases. Oh, good point. They have. It, precisely, and that's what we call back in the olden days, meaning mm. before COVID, right. um, that's exactly what we would do, Steve. Even though you don't have a culture uh, that's showing some, you know, oh, it's staphylococcus, or oh, it's streptococcus, or it's this bacteria, 
that's what we call treating empirically. You're saying, look, we don't know what bacteria it is, but it may be a bacterial infection. Give this person antibiotics, and they turn around, and you they get better, and you never actually know what that you know what the bug was, but you you treat them. That didn't happen during COVID. Those people were allowed to die. Great point. All right, before we take a break, I've got a listener question that came in a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, Dr. Kelly, you've been out, and I told this person I would hang on to this, so I want to get this in quickly uh, just because I want to answer this, and we can move on to Disease X and some other things, and other questions that have come in as well. But this is about statins. Uh, question is, I think I remember in one of your segments, it was talked about statin drugs, how they might be overrated. I was put on them on the lowest dose. I was told since I'm a high-risk group because I smoke, they will never take me off of them. Uh, can someone from the medical guest give an opinion on these types of drugs? I discontinued them a few weeks back, and I can tell that I'm feeling different, better, no muscle pain, and occasional dizziness. In other words, those things are gone. And I know you've talked about statins in the past, Dr. Kelly, so I'll let you take that over. Yeah, I think that, you know, I uh, can never tell any individual patient what they should or shouldn't take. I don't know your case right. intimately, and I'm certainly not your prescribing doctor. All of that said... Um, the data on statins, while they are very, very good at lowering cholesterol, you know, in other words, if you get your cholesterol checked before you take the statin, you start taking the statin and you recheck it, your cholesterol will go down. They are very good at lowering cholesterol. What they haven't been proven to do is to have any significant impact on increasing your risk of dying, uh, your risk of having a significant cardiac event or dying. So, yes, your cholesterol will go down, but we haven't proven that that will make a difference in your risk. And as this person is pointing out, statin drugs are fraught with bad side effects. A huge percentage of people on statins end up ultimately stopping because of the overwhelming joint and muscle pain. Uh, many people just can't tolerate, because, tolerate it because of that. They also can have some liver toxicity and liver issues. Uh, as a result, but in largely the musculoskeletal complaints are so overwhelming for people. And I would have to say, unless you can prove that you actually are doing something to decrease your risk of death or of a, of a significant cardiac event, then I'm kind of hard pressed to, uh, to suggest them to people. Okay. Uh, it's certainly worth having that discussion in particular with your cardiologist. Yes, I can see that this drug lowered my cholesterol, doctor. But what do the studies show? Show me the studies that say that lowering my cholesterol in this way will have a positive mm -hmm. impact on my life. Perfect. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come right back. Keep the questions coming. We'll get to Disease X in just one moment. 307-200-8222 is the text line. Affordable interest mortgages next. Kurt Rogers. Lots of things happening in the mortgage world right now. Rates are coming down slowly. Call him today. Find out what he can do for you. 720-895-0500. Got too much debt but a low rate on your mortgage? Worried that rates aren't going to go down fast enough? Need relief now? Take AIM, Affordable Interest Mortgage, 720-895-0500. Before your property tax and homeowner insurance goes up, we can help you lower your monthly payments, pay off your debt, and lower the amount of interest you pay. We have been changing lives in Colorado for over 20 years. Take AIM, 720-895-0500, and let our experience continue to save you money. Home of the original Asset Manager Loan, where you pay less interest and own your home faster, pay off your debt and save six to nine hundred a month, have access to your equity for thirty years. Call seven two zero eight nine five zero five hundred now. We listen and promise to do our best for you. Take aim, affordable interest mortgage. Seven two zero eight nine five zero five hundred. 
Over 20 years of low rates, outstanding service, and number one at putting you first. Let us show you how our experience saves you money. 720-895-0500. NMLS 298-191, regulated by DORA, equal credit lender. All right, as we're talking and somebody asked what is the future of health care, we'll get to that in a moment as well. But you need somebody on your side like Dr. Scott Faulkner. Call him today, 303-663-6990. Do you want to improve your health, fitness, and beauty? Are you an athlete recovering from an injury? A weekend warrior who is sore from your last workout? Do you have a chronic medical condition trying to meet a health and wellness goal? Or maybe you are looking for a great doctor who thinks the way you do. Dr. Scott Faulkner and Castle Rock Regenerative Healthcare is your path to a healthier tomorrow. Owner Dr. Scott is a board-certified internal medicine specialist, bringing decades of experience and expertise to the table. Dr. Scott is a true advocate of the latest advancements in healthcare. That's why he uses umbilical-derived stem cells, which have been clinically proven to be the most potent stem cells available. Worried about being lost in the crowd of impersonal health care? Fear not. Dr. Scott is a big picture doctor, not beholden to big pharma like some other providers. He takes the time to understand your unique needs and will customize your health care to fit you, your body, and your lifestyle. Reach your full potential and achieve your goals. Call Dr. Scott today at 303 303- 663-6990 or visit him online at castlerockregenerativehealth.com or find him at rushtoreason.com Level Engineering, see if solar is a good fit for you, your home, and your budget. Alan can explain all of that. You heard him a moment ago right before our show between 2.30 and 3 on Thursdays. In the meantime, give Alan a call. Find him at klzradio.com Alan Davis with Level Engineering knows that the power company is not your friend that they don't have your best interests at heart. Aside from getting your power back on during an outage, they do three ugly things. First, they installed a smart meter on your home to charge you surge fees up to 300% during peak times. Next, they use some of your money to lobby public utility commissions to increase your bill. The power company tries to squeeze money out of you everywhere they can. But Alan Davis has the answer for you. Solar power will allow you to produce your own energy and get the power company out of your wallet. Call Alan Davis of Level Engineering to rid you and your family of the greedy power company and take a major step towards energy independence. You just need to reach out to Alan by going to klzradio.com solar for a free, no obligation consultation. No liberal media bias here. This is Rush to Reason. We are back. Dr. Kelly Victory, Steve House with us. Okay, Dr. Kelly, because Steve and I didn't really touch on this much at all last week, and we haven't really got to this this particular topic much at all. Disease X. What is it? What do people need to know? Do they need to know? Explain, please. Well, the, the reality is disease X is not an actual uh, pathogen. It's a theoretical 
pathogen. Uh, it's disease, insert whatever you want. Interestingly, um, the powers that be, meaning everybody from the WHO to Bill Gates to the World Economic Forum, uh, don't ask me how they got involved in health-related issues, they all seem to know that it could be 20 times or is 20 times more lethal than COVID-19, yet they have not isolated anything and there is no pathogen that they can reference. Um, so what it appears to be is a weapon uh, to continue to keep people in a state of fear, uh, to keep people in a state of, you know, under control, and to fuel the efforts to get people uh, to, to be willing to accept this pending WHO treaty, pandemic or public health uh, treaty, that's about, unfortunately, to be signed by President Biden in May. Uh, that is the treaty that would give the WHO complete and total control uh, over us in the time of a public health crisis. A public health crisis, by the way, which is a, by their own definition, they can decide that anything is a public health crisis, uh, whether it's a disease X, an infectious disease outbreak. They could decide that climate change is a public health threat, that gun violence is a public health mm, uh, crisis. Right. And in that case, if we have signed on to this, we are abdicating control, uh, releasing control over our own constitution to the WHO and saying that we will comply with whatever they determine, whether that's mass and mandatory vaccinations or giving up your car or turning over your firearms or whatever it is they have decided is the way to handle the, quote, public health crisis. But disease X at this point uh, is not an actual pathogen. They are not pointing to it. Uh, they are continuing, however, to clearly uh, continue with gain-of-function research. That has not stopped. Uh, we know that Moderna, for example, has 31 different mRNA vaccines in their pipeline right now. 31. And uh, you may recall, as I said from the very beginning of the COVID pandemic, that I thought the entire purpose of the pandemic was to make mRNA a household word, to jam these mRNA vaccines through in lightning speed, to make everybody take one, and to make everybody believe that these were uh, tried and true and safely tested. And now we find out that uh, Moderna has 31 of them in their pipeline. They clearly will uh, intend to mm. launch another mRNA vaccine uh, yeah. to treat quote, disease X, yeah. whatever the heck it is. Steve, your thoughts, and, and again, Kelly, thank you. I can't disagree with any of that and what I've been reading and studying. Steve, you're kind of out there where you hear some of this stuff as well. You can add to that also. So I'm going to take this in a little bit of a different direction. So I made the assumption, I am making the assumption that the people who tell you that the WHO treaty is not everything Kelly just said it was, just, just to see play it out, right? So it isn't going to give the WHO complete control. It isn't going to mandate vaccines. It isn't going to do all this stuff. And, oh, by the way, it doesn't require people to follow any of their rules, et cetera, et cetera. So I took all those fun facts that they throw back at you when you, re when you research things, and I said to myself, well, if all of those things are true, why the hell do you have the treaty in the first place? So on one hand, you know, they'll tell you what, I don't believe what Kelly said, right, that all this stuff is going to be mandated and, we're contractually going to pay lots of money. We're going to have to contribute our fair share of you well for safety equipment and all that other crap. But if you believe the opposite is true, when you listen to Ted Rose and everybody else, say, no, 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 it's not going to do any of that shit. Well, if it's not going to do that stuff, 
why would we sign it, mm-hmm. first and foremost? And mm-hmm. secondly, Kelly, I, the one thing I continue to debate in my head, is disease X not, in fact, going to be a pathogen at all? What if disease X is a genetically introduced problem that causes things like turbo cancers and other things, but doesn't appear to be a pathogen-based um, problem? Because right now, with all that mRNA stuff that you were talking about, all the vaccines that Moderna has, what if this becomes a battle of genetics, not a battle of pathogens? Mm, good question. It, it, and I think that that's absolutely plausible. As I said, disease X is not, I don't want people to think that there's something that's been identified because it hasn't been. This is a right now a theoretical idea or a conceptual idea. It could absolutely Steve, be some genetic problem. It could be something that is the result of the vaccine itself. It could be a brand new lab-created pathogen, a virus, a fungus, a bacterium, who knows? It could be any number of things, but I'm telling you, it is absolutely uh, intended to give more and more power to, uh, to sort of the, uh, the power hungry to the establishment. The idea that the World Economic Forum is heavily involved in this, Shouldn't they be out like opining about things having to do with, you know, financial markets and interest rates and, you know, that the World Economic Forum, why are they so invested in the next public health crisis? I'll tell you why, because they're the ones who stand to make a lot of money from it. This is big business. It's big business in Mm -hmm. vaccines. It's big business. The pandemic preparedness, the pandemic response business. It's huge business yep. all the way around. Yep. We made people into billionaires during the last That's right. Time, many of them Chinese, by the way, because of all the things, everything from, you know, the plexiglass that got sold to make the ridiculous nonsensical shields that everybody was putting up, um, face masks, gloves, syringes, vials for products, all of these things. It's huge, huge business. Think about the, the money that was made because kids had to stay home from school and all of the things that had to go into the, quote, virtual learning and how many people made a fortune on that. This is enormous business, and that is why the World Economic Forum mm-hmm. is so invested. Along but, that um, line – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Follow up, Steve. Go ahead. So this is one other thing here, which is I believe everything Kelly just said, but there's another factor here, and that is that as of a week ago, the WHO still had not gotten – the necessary data on early cases that came out of Wuhan, China. So am I going to sign a treaty with the WHO that includes China when China won't even tell us the truth about the first pandemic that we dealt with at this level? I know there's a lot of money. There's going to be lots more money involved in what happens the second time around. And they've proven that they can force the world to act the way they want unilaterally. But how the hell do we trust China when they won't even give up the data on the original virus? Good point. Which, along those lines, I had a question that came in. Dr. Kelly, Steve, you can comment after that as well. Current Curious Medical Journal, which is peer-reviewed, reports more people have died from the jab than the virus itself. Also reporting ivermectin is a valuable prophylactic for COVID. Would you comment on that? I know you have in the past, Dr. Kelly, but we get people that listen you know, off and on. Some can listen each week, some can't. I know you've mentioned this before, but go ahead. Yeah, there's no question. I think if you look at uh, that more people, no question that more people have died by an order of magnitude uh, from the vaccine than from COVID itself. Uh, I think if you actually read into the details on the CDC data, uh, they come to somewhere in the range of 
you know, maybe 120,000 people in the United States died legitimately of, quote, COVID and nothing else, um, and that that was the true cause of death. And even though those shouldn't have died, but that many probably did, um, if you look at uh, the the VAERS system and what the FDA and the CDC are willing to acknowledge for vaccine deaths, it's somewhere in the range of 18,000. And we know that that is off by an order of magnitude. We know that that's off by anywhere between, you know, 10 and 50 times. So I think most people, if you believe people like Dr. Peter McCullough, he would put the number of deaths from the vaccine somewhere in the range of 500 to 600,000, you know, a little over half a million people in the United States, only this is just in the U.S., died likely as a direct cause of the vaccine, where somewhere around 100,000 people perhaps died of the virus itself. Um, and I think if we were able to actually get our hands on the all of the data, this would become very, very clear. You have to remember the uh, the vaccine, you know, the drug companies themselves wanted to deep six or keep hidden all right. of the data That's right. on this for, for 55 years, okay, long past the time that they would, you know. And That's right. We're all dead and gone. Would still be, yeah, we're dead and gone. And the FDA advocated for that. That's the right. The FDA tried to make that. Think about that. The agency that is empowered with. The watchdog that's supposed to be. With, they're exactly. The people who are supposed to protect us instead sided with the pharmaceutical company. Yep. Think about that. Yep. Why in the world would our FDA try to side with the pharmaceutical company and say, yes, don't release this data for 55 years? If that doesn't make the hair on the back of your neck stand up, yep. nothing does. I agree. All right. So on the real quick on ivermectin as a prophylactic, you've talked about that in the past as well. What are your thoughts on issue? Is it today? Well, ivermectin is a fantastic drug. It has very, very broad antiviral properties, very good anti-inflammatory properties, and in all likelihood will be effective against the next big bad virus that comes out. Um, I would not recommend at this point that anyone be taking ivermectin prophylactically because the current var- you know, variants of COVID that are out there are very, very mild. Uh, most people have something akin to a common cold. It's easily treatable with over-the-counter medications, decongestants, antihistamines, you know, nasal sprays, those sorts of things. So it's what I call, you know, colloquially you know, keeping, you know, some dry powder. I would save ivermectin for when we end up with a more severe or serious viral uh, assault, and that certainly isn't now. So I don't think anybody, no matter what your underlying comorbidities are, I don't think anybody should be taking prophylactic ivermectin uh, simply because the, the viruses that are out there just don't warrant it. Makes sense. Steve, you want to comment on all of that, including, and, and, and one thing I wanted to add to what Dr. Kelly said, Steve, is to your point earlier, hers as well, when it comes to COVID-only deaths, it's a number that we really don't even know because the data, in my opinion, the data doesn't exist because there was so much died with COVID, not died from COVID. Steve, do we even know what that number is that died only from COVID? We don't, but we also don't know how many of those people, if they had been treated differently. True. Good point. There were effective treatments. Good point. Treatments. I mean, if it was 120,000, were 30,000 of them preventable if they had undergone Good point. You know, the treatment protocol that Kelly was using. So that's one thing. Secondly, you know, there's an interesting thing about the whole FDA pharma thing that, you know, this week there's been a lot of conversations about 
you know, drugs being advertised on TV is not about people getting excited about a particular drug. It's about the pharma companies controlling the narrative for the media itself. Mm. So the pharma companies don't want bad light to be shined on things like remdesivir or the COVID vaccines or any drug. Uh, you know, right now the big push on, you know, the, the diabetes drugs that have come out for weight loss. Right. Um, Ozempic and Manjaro. Right. I think that's actually right. I think the problem is, and I think America needs to take a stand and stop pharma companies from advertising on TV because all they're doing is controlling the media message so the media won't attack them because, by the way, they advertise the most and spend the most money. That's got to get dealt with, too, or we're going to become a victim of people getting vaccines that are bad in the future. No, no, you, you were... Oh, this, yes. yeah, yep. No, this is, this is a huge issue. I mean, the United States is only one of two countries in the world, the other being New Zealand, that allow pharmaceutical advertising on television. Right. Two countries, right. the United right. States and New Zealand, and it's for good reason. It's because otherwise exactly what's happened in the United States, which is that big pharma owns the media. It not only owns social media, it owns big media, mm -hmm. and it's why all you have to do, any spot you watch on TV, you know, this segment was brought to you by Pfizer, this segment was brought to you by Moderna, and back, Roger Ailes, the former CEO of Fox News, which was, you know, always considered to be one of the most conservative news outlets, he wanted to get rid of pharmaceutical advertising on Fox News, but he said he couldn't do it because they constituted 70% of the ad dollars that wow. Fox News was getting. So, you know, once, unfortunately, once you have their advertising, yep. you better believe that every talking head, I don't care how presumably or purportedly, quote, conservative they are, they're going to repeat exactly what the pharmaceutical companies tell them to say. Yep. And if you don't believe that, you're, you know, you're, you're naive. So we have got to get rid of pharmaceutical advertising on television, allow the journals to get back to being independent, yep. because the journals are nothing more than you know, marketing arms for big pharma. Nothing gets published in the medical journals unless it comes to the conclusion that big pharma paid for the, it to come to. Uh, and so you're hard-pressed to get really legitimate solid, non-biased uh, yeah. study data, and, You're right. that's a, and that's a shame. All right, we come back. You know, Kelly, Go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. Kelly, there's been one other downstream effect I think we're seeing now, which is people who've taken multiple doses of the vaccine have this concern, you know, that my heart's going to get myocarditis, I'm going to get cancer. They've got some anxiety. And one of the ways that they deal with that anxiety is, A, they don't read any counter-arguments, and B, they continue to see these wonderful commercials from Pfizer and Moderna on TV with superstars saying, it's good, I'm in, they look great, they feel great. I mean, they're helping to deal with that anxiety, and they're taking even more vaccines as a result True. of that, and that's part of the problem with advertising good point. TV. All right, we come back, we're going to talk about our health futures, which really a lot of what we just talked about dovetails into that. We'll come back. Uh, Texas, any questions? We'll get those answered. 307-200-8222. High Five Plumbing. And they've got an inspection process right now free to you if you want to find out what's going on in your home. Give them a call today, 877-WE-HIGH-FIVE. Membership with High Five Plumbing means you won't be left in the cold. There were thousands of emergency plumbing calls due to frozen pipes during the last freeze. Ultra-affordable membership with High Five Plumbing means that you get priority scheduling in an emergency. It also means that you get discounted pricing on any service and allows you to be proactive to prevent freezing pipes in your home. 
High Five will perform annual inspections on your plumbing to ensure that you're prepared for all seasons. And as a member, you won't ever pay service fees. High Five also offers a free annual water heater inspection as part of a membership that will breathe life into your plumbing equipment so that it lasts longer. High Five memberships will save you money and keep your home prepared. Call High Five for this by going to klzradio.com plumbing and join the club. I clog my toilet one too many times. Golden Eagle Financial, there's a seminar coming up this Saturday that you can still register for with Al Smith. KLZRadio.com is where you find him. There's a new reality in planning for retirement, and Al Smith of Golden Eagle Financial knows how to help you navigate it with success. You hear the arguments about Social Security, and many people are worried that they won't get out of it what they've paid into it. Al knows how to prepare you for that in case you don't get the benefits you expect. Your grandparents had pensions, but employers have shifted to making you responsible for retiring on your own. Al can help you strategize using securities like 401ks and IRAs as individual parts of your overall plan and advise you on making tough decisions like adjusting to your risk tolerance or making room for the things you want to do in retirement. Take control of this new reality and reach out to Al Smith of Golden Eagle Financial today for a free no-obligation consultation by going to klzradio.com money. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC. A registered investment advisor, BCM, and Golden Eagle Financial Limited are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. Cold weather coming in again this weekend. Make sure you're, re- you're prepared. Give Cub Creek a call today. Find him at klzradio.com. Cub Creek Heating and AC membership is the key to being ready for the next wave of freezing temps. You're busy 24-7, and it's tough to keep up with regular maintenance on your furnace. Cub Creek membership will take that off your plate so you don't have to worry about changing filters or inspecting electronics. Being a member also means that if something does go wrong, you've got priority service with them, which is hugely important during cold snaps when calls and wait times increase. Cub Creek keeps track of warranties, recalls, and manufacturer best practices so you don't have to, adding years of life to your system and preventing costly accidents. If you do need service, you'll also enjoy discounts and other perks that will pay for themselves if you experience problems. Annual memberships start as low as $20 per month billed annually. So become a member today at klzradio.com slash HVAC and call Ream Pro Partners Cub Creek Heating and AC today. Now back to Rush to Reason, presented by High Five Plumbing, where every call ends with a high five. And we are back, Rush to Reason, Denver's Afternoon Rush, KLZ 560. Myself, Steve House, and Dr. Kelly Victory. Steve, you and I, actually Dr. Kelly too, we've talked about this in the past, although it's a good topic to continue to revisit. And, you know, we've now got a doctor that's a, a great partner of ours as well that people can actually go and see. But the question came in, do you have any hope for our health future? Seems like so much of a battle now. So, Dr. Kelly, I'll start with you, Steve. I know you've got thoughts on this as well. And, and I guess, Dr. Kelly, it is becoming more of a battle, and it's high time 
that we all took control of our health instead of relying on big med, big pharma, you know, big insurance to take care of it for us? A hundred percent. And I don't want to, you know, constantly be, you know, the negative Nancy here. Uh, I have zero faith in the, um, in the authorities. I do not trust the CDC, the FDA or the pharmaceutical companies and on and on. But all of that said, you're exactly right, John. The issue is this. You have a God given immune system for starters. That's remarkable and amazing. And if you just do a little bit of uh, work to protect it and to ensure that it's functioning uh, at, at, you know, highest capacity, then I think we have every reason to think that we'll stay healthy. I think people have drifted away from the basics, unfortunately, and this is largely the fault of the, quote, public health authorities who didn't spend any time, for example, during the COVID pandemic, teaching people and reminding people about things like, you know, good nutrition, supplementing vitamin D, regular exercise, adequate sleep, the, the role of stress in undermining your immune system and on and on, uh, just supplementing vitamin D alone and getting your vitamin D levels into the desired range, which, by the way, is significantly higher than the range that your doctor or the lab would say is normal. They, they rate most hospital labs and, and physician labs say that a normal vitamin D level in your blood is between 40 and 60. Uh, that's nan- uh, nanograms per milliliter for what it's worth, but 40 to 60. And that's actually not high enough. It really, we want it to be more in the range of 80 um, to, to actually do the job that vitamin D is remarkable at doing, which is not only preventing infection, things of, you know, virus and bacterial infections, but also preventing cancer. Um, and so these are the sorts of things that I p- think people should be educated about and feel very positively about, have great optimism that, wow, the heck with the system necessarily. I don't have to rely on the system. I can take some things into my own hands, and that means stepping away from the McDonald's, mm-hmm. putting down the cigarettes, right. quitting with the fast food and the junk food, getting out for a walk every single day, you know, riding your bike, taking the stairs, um, you know, getting to bed, putting down the, uh, the iPad and the cell phone, reading a book, getting out with your family, you know, engaging with, uh, with a church group or with a group that's supportive of you spiritually and emotionally, those sorts of things. Uh, this isn't Pollyanna. This is tried and true, and these are the sorts of things that will keep you healthy. Can't disagree. Uh, Steve, you and I have talked in the past about how the medical world would change. And by the way, some of those changes are happening as we speak. Again, Dr. Scott, who's with us on a on a uh, routine basis as well, who's got a concierge service. A lot of things are moving in that direction where people want to control their own health through everything Dr. Kelly just said. But then on top of that, if you need a doctor, they don't want to be burdened by their own insurance company. They want to do it on their own. So they're buying catastrophic policies and going to see somebody like Dr. Scott and said, and those are some of the changes you predicted a few years ago. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's a lot to that, right? Because hospitals are being asked to do population health management. And I don't know that a a medical center that's primarily paid, almost exclusively paid on fixing you once you have a problem is the right place to count on for them to make you healthier because making you healthier and needing their ED less or surgery less doesn't really help their bottom line. And frankly, 75% of hospitals in the U.S. right now have a negative net income. So that's a problem. Mm. Um, The other thing though, John, is that it's it's interesting because now you're hearing stuff about type three diabetes. So think about it. Type one, we know when you're born with type two is 
you know, mostly eating it. Type three is, is dementia. When you get to that level, there's so many people out there, you, me included. I'm not going to include Kelly because I know what she looks like. Um, but you, me included, where if we could get rid of more weight, more sugar in our diet, we would reduce our risk of dementia. We know it's coming, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's enough incentive for us to fix it. Hmm. It's hard to fix, but you know what? There's also a lot of people who have type 2 diabetes changing their diet early on in the diagnosis. They can stop it. Agreed. It's just hard to do because Agreed. it takes a lot of willpower. Yep. Getting guidance from a concierge doc might actually help them make those changes. True. But they need a lot of hand-holding to do that. And True. physicians are in short supply, so I don't know how we're going to get there. I just don't know how to solve the problem. Great point. Uh, Kelly, this one comes along those same lines because I think uh, based upon what Steve just said, uh, this answer might be very apparent, but this is asking you what kind of yogurt you recommend on previous shows. She said no milk, yogurt is okay. Uh, I can already tell you that if from what Steve just said, and I think you're going to agree, Dr. Kelly, if that yogurt is full of a bunch of sugar, I can already tell you that's a no-no. Am I right? Absolutely. And an awful lot of the yogurt products between the artificial colors, artificial flavorings, and and the sort of syrupy, uh, you know, uh, jello or whatever they put at the bottom, the kind of like you right. know, preserves right. or, or that they put at the bottom, the quote fruit, uh, that's not actually fruit. That's, you know, it's, it's all artificial. Um, I think you're really better off. I eat a lot of yogurt. I love it. I, I eat fat-free Greek yogurt. I was going to say, you can, uh, culture and and have, you can culture and grow your own, right? I mean, I know because I've seen you, it done. You, you can't. I've eaten it. You can. I, I you know, I don't. I, I eat I just... There are many brands of plain, you know, fat-free or low-fat um, Greek yogurts out there that you add your own um, fruit to, um, and I'm a big proponent of that. The reason, I, you know, milk is, it's interesting, uh, United States, and actually, you know, we drink a lot of milk here. Humans, human beings are the only mammal on the planet that drinks milk after it's weaned. Right. Think about that, right. okay? Right. So it, milk, milk is intended as a high-nutrition, high-fat, high-calorie drink for infants. Um, I think that the dairy uh, industry has done a great job of selling to people the idea that, you know, got milk and that we should continue to drink milk. I think it's very problematic. Much of the milk uh, has a lot of additional hormones added to it. Uh, the cattle have hormones given to them. It's part of the reason that the body, that the weight of the average uh, two-year-old now, you know, rather than back in the 1950s, you know, a two-year-old weighed about, you know, 18 pounds. Right. Now they weigh twice that. Right. Um, and and this is in large part because of you know massive milk consumption. Yep. Diet. And, uh, yeah. And exactly. And yeah. Other, yeah. That's right. That are So I, I I'm not saying that you know dairy products are not bad. Is what I think people drink weight and i'm not talking about the little bit of milk you put on your you know cheerios in the morning or the milk you add to your coffee yeah. i'm talking about people who are drinking milk as a uh, you know 16 ounces right. of it a day or a right. gallon of it uh, a week i think it's just um not wise and i think it, the data would show you that it's associated with higher incidence of things like prostate and colon cancer um but uh, Greek yogurt, as long as it's not given in with a bunch of artificial stuff in it and sugar, um, I think is a great option. Okay. I talked about this a little bit yeah, yesterday I, during health. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. Jump in. I was just going to say that I, I do eat yogurt as well, and I add the best fruit on the planet to my yogurt, which is bacon. Ah, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Good one. 
There you go. All right, I talked about this a little bit yesterday during health and wellness because I have a personal uh, experience, not me, but employees and other family members and so on. I am not a energy drink fan at all, Dr. Kelly, and we got into this discussion through the text line a little bit yesterday. So somebody again today is asking, okay, given what you said yesterday, what does Dr. Kelly think about energy drinks? I am a, like, anti-energy drink guy. That's just me. What are your thoughts? Well, they aren't all created equally, for starters. Um, one of these, you know, the first, quote, sports drink that most people were familiar with was Gatorade. Right. Uh, and, point. you know, Gatorade came out and was, it came out of the uh, University of Florida. It was, you know, that's why it was, it was to uh, a sports drink for their sports teams at the university. And the problem with Gatorade is that it's very, very high in salt. Uh, people drink True. Gatorade and True. started drinking it like it was going out of style as if they'd just run a marathon. You're like, you just walked two miles. You don't need to supplement salt. Uh, okay. These were drinks that were made and created. They were engineered sports drinks um, that were engineered to supplement and replace actually salt and minerals and, and electrolytes that were lost by performance athletes who are endurance athletes who had just gone out and played, you know, tennis for five hours in the sun or ran a marathon or whatever. Then they turned into not just sports drinks, but these quote energy yeah, drinks. Red Bull and that all of that. Had the addition, yeah. They had the addition of caffeine, you know, some good things like vitamin B, you know, vitamin right. D uh, and some things that people tend to be low on and people need to uh, more of. But again, they had a lot of salt in them, and they started adding some of these stimulant things like, for example, caffeine. A lot of energy drinks include what's tantamount to you know, four or five cups of coffee. So it's not that it's unhealthy necessarily per se, but you really need to look at the ingredients on mm-hmm. them and say, do I need additional salt? If I've already had three cups of coffee today, do I really need another three right. in the form of this drink? Right. And, and those sorts of things. I have no problem. And again, and I would absolutely not take an energy drink that includes sugar. You just don't need it. We get so much added mm-hmm. sugar in our diets already in the United States that anything that has any calories, those calories are 100% coming from sugar, even if they say it includes some amount of, quote, fruit juice. Fruit juice is nothing more than sugar. If you want to eat fruit, eat fruit because then you get the benefits of the fiber yep. and the you know the other things that the pectin, the other things that are beneficial in eating whole fruits. You lose that entirely when you're drinking a juice. So I guess that's my you know uh, it's not just a one size fits all with energy drinks, but absolutely none that have calories and sugar in them, none that have additional salt. You just don't need it unless again you are a hardcore endurance athlete. Uh, and be cautious about these stimulants that are being added uh, in the form of caffeine and other things. Last question before we go. What about sugar that is alcohol slash beer when it comes to diabetes? Well, your, your body doesn't know the difference. You know, your your pancreas just doesn't appreciate the difference, you know, between the uh, the sugar coming from vodka or the sugar coming from a Snickers bar. Got it. Um, it. It really doesn't. So you have to watch your sugar intake, and I think everybody should. That said, if you don't have diabetes and you're trying to watch your sugar, there's no question that drinking, for example, vodka has less available sugar than drinking wine 
or, or certainly drinking, you know, many of our cocktails that we drink. The real problem isn't the alcohol, it's the mix. What they put in it, um, yeah. You know, yeah. You, well, the average daiquiri, for example, you go to a, you order a frozen daiquiri or a margarita, those drinks commonly have six or 700 hmm. calories, wow. only 100 of which is coming from right. the alcohol, right. and the other six or 700 is coming from, you know, the cream and the sugar and the mixer right. to it. So you can certainly cut down, you know, continue to enjoy alcoholic beverages, if you are more cautious about the the way that you drink them, the mixer that's added to it, you go with a calorie-free mixer or seltzer water, that sort of thing, uh, and still be able to enjoy the 100 calories worth of sugar and alcohol. All right, guys, that's it for today. Steve House, thank you very much, as always. Appreciate you. Good to be with you guys. All right, thank man, you. take care. Dr. Kelly Victory Sane, thank you very much. It's always a joy having you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You we'll bet. Talk soon. Have a great night. All right. Veteran Windows and Doors is next. Give Dave a call if you've got any need when it comes to windows and doors, and he'll walk you through his process and how he does it different than everyone else. Find him at klzradio.com. Owner Dave Bancroft of Veteran Windows and Doors knows you don't buy a car without knowing what motor is inside. So why would you buy windows and doors without knowing their efficiency rating for your area of Colorado? Dave left the corporate world of windows and doors because he knows their salespeople purposely omit crucial information. The giant window and door companies look at you as a number, not a person. Veteran will select the products that will help you, the customer, and be right for your home. They want to educate you before you make the purchase, since these products are meant to protect you and your home from heat and cold. Veteran wants you to know exactly what you are getting and the benefits of the right windows for your home. Don't get pressured into buying windows from some huge company that is simply transactional. Contact Veteran Windows and Doors by going to klzradio.com window. That's klzradio.com window. All right, Bruce Simmons, he is our reverse mortgage professor. If you've thought of a reverse mortgage, give Bruce a call today. Find him at klzradio.com. A reverse mortgage can make sense for you if you are properly prepared. KLZ's reverse mortgage professor, Bruce Simmons, can help make sure you are ready. Many things you do not need to do first, like paying your bills off first or making certain repairs. And sometimes you will need to shore up some things on the home title or a repair that Bruce knows will be needed for the appraisal. The point is you can be prepared for a reverse mortgage and move now rather than waiting. In an interest rate increasing environment, acting quicker rather than later puts more money in your pocket. Call Bruce Simmons for a free consultation at 303-467-7821. That's 303-467-7821. Or schedule online now at klzradio.com slash reverse. And MLS 409914, American Liberty Mortgage, is an equal housing lender. KNR Home Transitions, they'll take the stress out of buying and selling a home, which we just heard from Dr. Kelly. Stress is evil. We want to eliminate that. Call KNR today. To help you with all of that, find him at klzradio.com. Catherine and Robin with K&R know how to make you the most money on the sale of your home. A recent client told them that he saw how hard they worked for someone else in his neighborhood, the open houses, their research digging deep on home valuations in that area, and the way that they presented the house to potential buyers. He knew that they just get it. Cat and Robin are creative, and they are hard-nosed when they need to protect you from another realtor or problem person. Having two sets of expertise and individual strengths helps maximize what your home can sell for. 
They watch the contractor making a fix on your home, and they check out the home inspection items that don't seem quite right. Catherine knows how to present the home well and maximize the relationships. Robin will slay the dragon, and anyone who stands in the way of selling your home should be very afraid. You need the real estate protectors, Catherine and Robin from K&R Home Transitions. Contact Catherine and Robin today at klzradio.com forward slash home or call them at 720-437-8210. All right, that is it for today. If you missed any of this hour, you want to send it on to somebody else, go to the website rushtoreason.com and you can do that there. Otherwise, hour two is next. Rush to Reason, Denver's Afternoon Rush, KLZ 560.